Welcome to Musically Speaking. I'm your host, Mark Conklin. I'm also the Director of Artist Relations and Programming at the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, the East Coast home of the Grammy Museum. Each month, I have the honor of sitting down with some of the biggest names in music to discuss their artistry, creative process, and career journey. We're thrilled to be able to bring some of these conversations to you in this podcast. If you'd like more information on any of our public or education programs, please visit www.grammymuseumexp.org. In this episode, we feature the legendary hip-hop group Naughty by Nature. In February 2020, Vin Rock, Tretch, and KG stopped by the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey in front of a packed house, and I mean standing in the aisles packed. And we discussed their origins in East Orange, New Jersey, and their relationship with Queen Latifah in the early days, winning the first ever Grammy Award for Best Rap Album, and becoming activists in the communities they continue to call home. This is what it sounded like that evening. Ladies and gentlemen, Naughty by Nature. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you again for, for being here. We're, we're very honored and thrilled uh, to have legends like you guys here. It's one thing to have a museum that kind of like captures the past, but it's another thing when, you know, it comes to life and there's music and there's, you know, you feel that vibe. That's why we put this here. It was so that people could actually experience it and not just look at something in a case. Looking at something in a case is cool, but uh, seeing the real thing is a whole other matter. So we, we appreciate that. Yeah, baby. <laughs> So let's talk about something that uh, happened recently, um, which was really cool. Uh, we had the VMA Awards here. Can, what was that like for you guys for like kind of a, this homecoming thing? It was up for us. It was a big show, obviously, in the arena to have here. How did that come about? Um, and, and kind of what was your feeling on the night and, and how it went and all that? First and foremost, we had a uh, long-term um, long friend, Bruce Gilmer, he's a Viacom executive. So he called us up and was like, we're coming to do the VMAs at, at, at the Prudential Center, and you know we gotta have your Jersey boys rock out. So the first call was to us. And then it was like, well, we gotta have Queen Latifah. So Bruce reached out to uh, Wyclef and Shaquem from Flavor Unit, and next thing you know, we were fully loaded. Um. Was it what you expected? I mean, it, you've done these things before, but you know the the, the grandeur and the, the you know the nonsense of all the people. Was yeah. it what you thought it would be, or no? Definitely, it was really great. I mean, it was a little more intricate. Like this time, we had to really, really dig in because they actually asked um, they asked me to um, to produce it, to produce the segment musically, and then I had to get with a lot of different. Um, the different producers from each group. Like I had to talk directly to Queen Latifah and ask her, you know, how did she want to be represented and what she wanted to do. I had to get with Y Clef and say, Clef, how you want to do it? I know producer to producer, man. Like I can't, I'm not going to do that to you. I got to respect you, man. And he just was like, yo, okay, let's do it like this, man. We're going to come together. So me and him worked on a lot of different things. 
as well as Fetty Wap and, and Redman as well. Redman got with me and his team and, and gave me everything. And then we got into the studio and we got together and put our segment together and we put it all together. And it was, it was dope. It came out dope and definitely proud for it to be in Jersey and yeah. us to, you know, bring it home. How, how long does it take to put something like that together? It's uh, from, you know, how much run up time do you get to, to put it all together? Oh, that took weeks. Yeah, that took weeks because we had to get back and forth with each other, send files back to each other. Everybody had to okay certain things. You know, like I said, there was a respect, there mutual respect amongst each, you know, artist as well and then each management team as well. So everybody had to okay things and say, I want to do this. I don't like this intro part. Let's shorten this. Let's do that. Let's try this. Let's try that. You know, they would try things. I would try things. And, you know, we would go back and forth. So it took a little bit of a, a, little, a little time. Trash working with other artists like that. Everybody's got, you know, egos and things that they, uh, you know, their opinions. It, do you find that uh, easy to do, or is it sometimes challenging to get everybody on the same page when you're when you're doing collaborations like that? Whether it's that kind of thing or in the studio or, or whatever. No, it's basically like we from the era where everybody it's a competitive ego thing. Like it, like we we do on stage and like if if something is missing in sound check, we'll talk to somebody else and like, yo, y'all need your highs more or, or the bass more or something that ain't sound right. Like we help each other. It's competitive. We don't never want to see nobody go out there and not look good. So like when we do stuff, it's like even the VMAs, it was like a medley. So usually you don't get bored, it's like one group and then another group and then you just see different groups come out. Ba 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 hit you. You like, oh whoa, 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 whoa. And it was all Jersey. So it was like amazing production on Kay's part and just the way all of the groups we come together, like at sound checks and rehearsals and we up in there ain't like one group over here and they we was like, yeah, we talking sports and what we doing after this and what's going on and your team is trash or something. You know? <laughs> Speaking of sports, obviously this is the the home of the New Jersey Devils. Let's as well. go Devils! You, 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 you. <laughs> Jersey and, Devils. Uh, we got a team, Jersey, for real. We got a team. A lot of New York teams playing Jersey. We really got a team over here. <laughs> and they uh, have adopted, of course, Hip Hop Ray is the song when they win. Uh, yes. It, how? I mean, you know, it's used in arenas, obviously, all over the world, probably. But. Um, What's it like to hear it here and to know that that's kind of the theme song of, a, of, the, of the winning team, you know? Yeah, you know, Jay-Z and them jacked us for the, the Nets. So, yeah, Jersey, uh, we got a team. We got a team, <laughs> Jersey. Let's go Devils! So it is hockey, and, uh, you know, we've been meeting with them, and we understand the initiative since they're down here in Newark to get more people from this community with sticks in their hands. So, you know, we want to help out on that mission, and... You know, just help them out and support the team and, and, and just rock out with the Devils. And hopefully they could keep Hip Hop Hooray as their victory song a little longer than one season. You know? Maybe a parade one day. Wouldn't that be neat? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, that's, what, oh, that's what we did. We win the cup. And then you guys do the parade now. That's hey, awesome. ask the Giants. We yeah. we've been in Giants Stadium after we did the raise and perform. Dun, 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 we did the parade news. with the Giants last did time they won. Yeah. Yep. Ah, yeah. So we we got it. We got to do that. Yep. Yeah. Of course, we got to win. Could somebody, anybody help out? It's with not that? like they haven't won before, though. No, no. It's been it's been a little bit. It's they been will. a little bit. Yeah. Though. I'm a good roller skater, so I may have to whip up some skates, <laughs> ice skates, and come and help them win. There's a difference. There's a difference, man. <laughs> There's a difference, buddy. Oh. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's been you were talking about. 
they, they have a, it's a really great program called Hockey for Everyone that they do here, and it's true. They, they're building rinks here in the city, and they're doing a lot of, uh, you know, to get people playing who don't normally play. So, uh, again, if, it, you know, it's part of our community investment here. So if, if you have kids here in this area, music, hockey, we can, we can hook you up with both of those things. Uh, so let's go back to the beginning, uh, the early days, early in Jersey. Um, have you ever seen the movie Almost Famous? Have you guys ever seen that? It's the one, this is a kid, he writes, he's gonna write for Rolling Stone, he's a teenager, and he gets his first job, and his sister leaves him her record collection. She leaves the house, and she's Zoe Deschanel, his sister. She leaves him this record collection. For the first time, he's going through these albums, and he sees like Led Zeppelin and Elton John, and his mind is blown, right, and the Who's playing in the background. It changes his life. I'm wondering for the young versions of these guys, what were the albums that you were flipping through, you know, at that age that were kind of just blowing your mind and changing, changing oh, your mind? Oh, that mom's had? Anything, yeah. whether, oh, you know, like, in the was, house, things was, you were discovering. Sugar Hill Gang, Rick James, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. Oh, yeah. Jackson 5. I got my ass whipped, too, because I scratched my mother's Sugar Hill Gang like I, like, <laughs> like I was a DJ on. She ain't had 1200s, neither. Ooh. <laughs> It was on. But yeah, it's definitely been um, those wow, oh my God moments, especially, you know, from a movie standpoint. I remember seeing Wild Style and seeing the movie Wild Style like in back in what, like 82, 83, something like that. And just saying, wow, that's what I want to do. So from that point, it just went to, like you said, same thing of the almost famous, just going to my aunts and uncles' houses and looking through and asking anybody that I could see walking down the block, any neighbor, anybody, hey, you have any old records? You know, friends of friends, you got any old records? And just digging through. And then once I heard Sugar Hill Gang on the radio for the first time, I was like, wow, what is that? Is that, when, when did you guys, you said you were about 12 or 13, you knew that's what you wanted to do. Was yeah. it the same for 12. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12. That's the age, right? 12 yeah. to 14 somehow, everybody. How about you, Ben? Was it what kind of same stuff? That was actually like when when hip hop just started really like getting played on radio. Early eighties, and so that's when it really just. Yeah, and for me, it was uh, what made me fall in love with hip hop was uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips video saved the overtime for me. So the first time I saw a guy do a backspin in the music video, I was like, "Wow!" Looked like art to me, you know. And oh, other super influences were the Fat Boys. Rest in peace, the buff. I was infatuated with the human beatbox. The way he used to beatbox, Buffy, you know? That was crazy. And then Dougie Fresh came along, like he had marbles in his mouth. So I'm like, what on earth is this? Then Malcolm McLaren, Buffalo Gals, and all of that. You remember that? So all of that stuff was just so inspiring. And then how old are you guys when you first meet for the first time? You're in high school? Yep. I well, I knew Vin because me and Vin are from East, well, we're all from East Orange, but we, me and Vin are from the teen streets. East Orange, East Orange that's right, y'all. But um, I'm from um, 18th Street, Vin's from 15, and Tretch is from Grove. And when, when you're in um, like elementary or, or, or middle school, you, go to di you only go to school so on your side. So Tretch is from a different side. Yeah, they side. was from the other side. Yeah. So <laughs> I was, from VLD. Park. I was VLD. I was VLD. They was middle school and stuff. <laughs> See, Tretch says, Tretch says, K and I are Virgos, so we're two days apart, September 15th, September 17th. They think it's two-thirds of the group. See, they like, can yeah. outvote me. I'm like, nah, <laughs> homie. I'm from down the hill, too. That's right, yeah. 
No, but um, yeah, Kay and I were from the team streets, but Tretch was in my health class in um, uh, sophomore year in high school. So back then, Freddy Krueger, the movie of Friday the 13th was popular. For some reason, this kid came to school with one hand full of long claws, Freddy Krueger, you know? Real nails, too. They was clean, too. They were real. I'm saying? And you know every, I'm saying? every other day, he would come to me with a new rhyme, just rhyme to me all the time, and I would beatbox for him. And after school, I would break dance with my man Ski, uh, Terry Peppers, that's Jabril Peppers' uh, father from the New York Giants in the building. So I used to break dance with Ill Ski town. and then go across the street to K because he was scratching and DJing. I used to beatbox for K while he scratched. So I'm like, there's this kid in my health class. He's got some ill rhymes. Kay was like, bring him over. So I brought Tretch over, and you hear on Yoke the Joker, he says something about the Freddy of rap. He was the Freddy Krueger of rap back then. Clean nails, sir. Yep. Clean nails. So. Clean nails. So, yeah, that's how it started. You know, we, like I said, we, um, it, was, it separated with East Orange down the middle, and then you, it was only one high school at the time, so everybody in East Orange meet up and go to high school. And that's how we yeah, met Trash. It was sharp style. See, I ain't, I ain't even wear sneakers till like after high school. It was like Bally's, film shame. Silk pants, yeah, silk shirt. Silk shirt, blazers. You always had a briefcase. You feel me? He yeah. walk around in briefcase yeah, and all that. Yo. Yeah, shine. Mm. Now, yeah. is that briefcase full of rhymes? Is that how you get Brief, the name? Like, uh -huh. The name, originally not Naughty by Nature. I mean, it was tight. Oh, it was New Style. New Style. Is, yeah. It was that. What was the impetus of that? Was that the. No, we style. had to really rush to get a name for a talent show. And we oh. was like thinking we have to have a name, just get something for it. And Kay was just cutting the Beastie Boy. It's the new style. It's the new, it's the, it's the new style. We said new style is our name because we got deadline tonight. And the new style was the name until yep. we switched it. So a lot of people don't realize your first album was as new style, right? Like you put, yes. Yes. You put that out. Definitely. Um, and so you put that out. And then is it then where you meet Latifah? Like after that comes out? Yeah, because yeah. that sold like two copies. <laughs> two whole records. Nah. So it was like a silk. Two copies at Sandwiches but, but, Unlimited. But, but East Orange. East Orange. It was good that East Orange was so small because it used to be talent shows at the Raleigh Racket Club down the hill by the fire station. And that's where I met Queen Latifah for the first time. She was a, a solo group, and I was a solo MC, and we was actually in competition. So once she blew up, we, we threw a talent show, like a, a showcase for ourselves. I'm like, yo, I know Dana. I'm telling you, we can get in flavor unit. I'm telling you, son, I got the pass. Let's, let's show what we working. We had our jackets, new style jackets, and dance moves, and blah, blah, blah. And, was, and the, she was like, yeah, I know you tiny. <laughs> You had beat me out on one of them talent shows. No, nah, but she, we got in from Flavor Unit, Apache, um, Lord Ali Bosky. Lakim Shabazz. Shakim. Lati. Lati. Ooh, the family. So where's the change? What, what, what's the impetus to change the name and kind of the direction? Because that was more like the late 80s, so the 90s was coming in, so it was a whole different look and style and anything else, because it was like flat tops and 
all the rest of that and your eyebrows cut and all that. <laughs> kind of came back in style, though, didn't it? But so, part, part of the reality was we were signed to the old Sugar Hill label. Uh, Sylvia Robinson, Joey Robinson Jr., rest well, in peace to me. both of them. It's good uh, we were signed to them as the new style. So when that album didn't work out, we hooked up with Flavor Unit, and they understood that we were still on contract, but it was like a crazy contract. So they said, first thing you need to do is change your name. And I remember being on the block. Uh, we were all debating from the new style. Tretch came up with the name Naughty by Nature because Naughty by Nature was actually the title of a song, a new style song. So Tretch was like, look, we should call ourselves Naughty by Nature because everyone's a little naughty by nature. And they thought at the time the name was too long, but I did. We stuck to our guns. Flavor I Unit did, did too. I did. Flavor Unit did too. <laughs> Tommy Boy did too. They said it. And I just said, nah, man, it sounds different. It sounds a little catchy. Like, put the words on top of each other then. Like, yeah. you, know, you don't have to right. write it all straight across. Yeah, yeah I definitely remember that <laughs> day. We I started mean, doing shirts like that. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, breaking news. It was, it, we were all standing out on, on the block, and Shaquem and, um, and Chris Lighty pulled up. Chris Lighty yep. and Jimmy Henchman. Yep, they pulled up, because um, Chris Lighty was doing Black Sheep at the time. He was shopping pick the deal it for up, him. Pick it up, pick and it up. They pulled up and they asked us about the whole thing with the name. And it was a bunch of us out there. It was about uh, the whole block was crowded. And Tretch said that he was just like, "Look around you. Like everybody's naughty by nature. He's naughty by nature. She's naughty by nature." And it started to sink in. It worked. Yeah, it worked. I gotta find that. that I have to find that record too. Right. That record as the new style. There is there's definitely a song floating around, and it's called Naughty by Nature. And we recorded it as new style. Wow. And then 91, you guys kind of, things start to really happen. Uh, what was the, was it a surprise for you when the, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you have a song that's on the radio and it's kind of breaking out. Um, did it happen, did it feel like it happened fast or did you feel like it been? Yeah, like, like you see, it was years and years and years of work and grind and stuff, but it kind of was crazy because it was uh, this thing called like a video jukebox. So it was like every time you, we had had to switch the whole rules of that because every time you call, they'll just play whatever record you, and I was, will play 24 hours OPP, back to back. It's like, we gotta change the format because this is like video OPP box. Like, it's, they cheating. So, so we on the road, so we not seeing it. So it went from like, one day we on a pro promo run just doing radio and stuff, and so we not even seeing or knowing the video is really getting pumped all over, we like, whatever. And we went to a mall, and like it was like the Beatles had walked in, and everybody chased it. Security said, "Don't ever come in here without call. You're gonna cause a riot." And we was like, "Yo, what happened? <laughs> they was chasing us because we was like about to run. Who was running? Like, what's going on? We ain't got nothing on us. Let's run too." So. That's a true story. Yeah, it was definitely a long time, a long time coming, and you know, I was putting a lot of hard work in, but it did almost feel surreal when it did happen, though. Like, like once we turned that corner, it's almost like it just shot out. Right. It's like a rocket. The hardest thing yeah, is to break orbit, shot. but once it's at orbit, it, yeah. it's going. It felt like uh, Will Smith in that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. When it finally happens, you just run down the street yelling, like, ah, where are you going? I don't know, but I'm going somewhere. Uh, OPP, of course, has the sample, uh, the Jackson 5 sample. Is it true that you had to give up lots of 
Yeah, they the royalties took, on that. We gave all 90%. of them up for that song. Yeah, they took that 90, one song. They took ninety percent of the song. It's like cool. Yeah. Watch us get it back though. We gonna get all this money on shows. Right. Yeah, Joe so, Bet. Yeah, they took ninety percent. Yeah. But we felt like it was worth it because we we yeah. knew we had a a good racket that will make our career. Right. So a hit's a hit. Yeah, ten percent. And of we had an beats a hundred percent of nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. And we got our publishing back. <laughs> you feel Is that me? right? Yeah. Oh yeah, two years of work, decades, and working, and we had an advantage because we originally had signed to Warner Brother Records with Benny Medina. Now you know Benny Medina is connected with, you know, all of those out there, including Michael Jackson. So we had that connection. They didn't know how to work a hip hop record. So since Latifah was on Tommy Boy, they knew they knew how to open up them records like Digital Underground and all of that. So we went through Tommy Boy and had an inside connect. So through the years, after a certain time, we get our publishing. And that was for one song. All the rest of it, we got our publishing now. I don't think we <laughs> But you know that one song, we like, yeah, we, for that, we'll make that money back just on shows. And just to clarify, we've always owned our own publishing. It's just that, you that know, when part. you sample somebody's record. Like that, Michael's. You have to give up publishing record, to you them. You go get that up. You can't um, just use somebody's record without paying them. Yeah. So. What was your creative process during that time when you guys were making music? Like, where did it start? Um, was it, you know, kind of, you were doing something first musically, and then you guys were adding to it and treasuring it? When it came, around? K was DJing, Vin was beatboxing and breakdancing, and we used to go like lunchtime, me and Vin, and he'd beatbox and we'll rhyme, because before you used to just have to tap on the table for a beat. So he'd rhyme, and we got together thanks to KG's father, which adopted like me and Vin, Giz, rest in peace. He like worked all the time, but on 18th Street, he built the second floor of the house to a sun porch where he could DJ and we could always practice. And then, my, like, there's like so much noise. And he's like, them boys going, they, they ain't in the streets. They going to be up in here mm -hmm. doing this. I, we could, they could get up in here and make all the noise they want. Mm -hmm. So Giz, thank the Giz, rest in peace. He had us out of the streets, even though we'll sneak back and forth to the streets. But we was up there <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. But yeah, all, all, of it, all of it started right. with live performances because right. we used to practice Talent in K's, yeah, and, K's and uh, Sun Porch. And back then in hip-hop, before we had records on the radio and videos playing, you had to go in these clubs and show what you know. So we had Club 88 Tough Team Talent Competition, you know? And we used to go out there and compete with all sorts of kids from the Essex County area. So we kind of used our backyard to get our legs up under us. That was during the high school days. So we sort of dominated or was really popular in our backyard. And that's what made us want to go on and start recording and start going into New York and, and try to get props until we got booed out of New York. <laughs> and then even to, um, to translate over into the record making process, it will be Sometimes both ways. I would start off the track with, with just a, with a beat, and then Tretch would take it and make the um, the song and, and bring it to where it needs to be. Or sometimes he'll have an idea lyrically, and he'll tell me a concept he has, and then I'll go and make a beat. So it go it goes both ways sometimes. With it. What was the difference then between like New Jersey and New York? I mean, there you know now things are kind of homogenized and things sound a little bit. If you Same. wasn't from New York, you wasn't hip hop. We just went to New York and said we was from Jersey and got booed. That was <laughs> right? It was like one big Apollo in New York. Anybody outside, boo, 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 Sandman, 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 Sandman. 
And we thought we was it too, because we was winning all the competitions. No, we knew in we Jersey. was. We just we, we said. just knew we was it. They booked us in New York. Man, we won over it. They sent us back, boy. But we did do the Apollo one time without even saying Jersey, and we oh, we, and killed it, and, and and did our thizzle. Oh no, tell that, that, tell that. We killed that. Tell that at the Apollo Boo <laughs> Capital. We ain't get booed there. We ain't nah, get booed we there. We killed that one. Was the music stylistically different? Like, could you tell like something that was, you know, Jersey versus New York, obviously versus L.A.? Was there distinct flavors? No, nah, just by saying it's Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> That's all you had to say. Then it was just rap. Jersey. Then it's over Period. for you. They going to ride for you until you say Period. Jersey. They're still like that a little bit. No, no, no. <laughs> we fixed that. <laughs> nah, Jersey deep now. We deep. Oh, we fixed and that. And we traveling deep, too. Uh, 93, you come out with 1993, which, by the way, is the best name for an album I've ever heard in my entire life. I was like, Thank that's you. brilliant. That's Because it's the third album. It's it's pretty good. Uh, whose idea was that? Was that This guy. Yeah. You come up, it had to be. You come up All with of that, the albums right? are this guy. Yes. Just but lyrically, <laughs> see, everybody, you got to realize, in a car, there's wheels, there's suspension, there's steering. We all play our position creatively, you know what I mean? From the beats, from conceptions to different stuff. Certain concepts come from different things. OPP was OPP, OPM, which a homie said, I'm down with other people's money in the streets. And Vin laughed at him and said, nah, I'm down with other people's punani. <laughs> Just clown them and it ended up being a record. So different ideas come from we that's we just create and, and a lot just, of people did not know mainstream probably didn't really know what that was they were listening to when it was not at all we fooled them until we True. sold three million records True. then they couldn't stop playing it we we hit them with that curve that little acronym it still works till this day you know we go around the country around the world and like what does opp stand for i've heard so many things it just got us other people's property yeah it got us a couple of passes because in Canada, um, the police force is called Ontario Provincial Police. So they got OPP on the side of their car. So if we ever got it. So you don't have enough OPP? Yeah, you know. <laughs> so we got some passes out there off of it too, homie. Uh, from 1993, obviously Hip Hop Ray takes off. Um, for you guys, it, you were kind of the first act I think that was kind of crossing that blend of like had the the street cred, but they were also these songs that were pop smashes that were kind of crossing over everywhere. Did that uh, obviously financially that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But did it? Did you get pushback from people who were like, ah, they're on the radio. It's not. It's not. Now, it, it, like the the music, what we were saying was so street and gully, and but and the music was so melodic. They're like mixed in. We didn't have to make no excuses. And they knew like it was genuine music. We wasn't trying to make pop records or anything like that. It's just, it's like really like gangsters and people in the street, they don't want to hear gangsters tales and all that all day. They like fun music. People like to party. We had grew up off of performing. So we had to make records that were performing record types that had people that if they never heard it, it's like a call and response. We got like, you know what, old people? Yeah. Hey, oh. Like if they don't know nothing else in the record, they know when to throw them hands up. Am I right? <laughs> Damn. But we definitely did get, you know, a few people that felt like our stuff, not sellouts, but they felt like that our stuff was more commercial. But I think, honestly, 
I mean, I'm not even gonna say jealousy. As soon as we it's hit just MTV, like their style of music, it's just their style of music versus our style of music, and that's it. But I think that's the beauty of when we came out in the '90s. It's just you had so many different characters, so many different styles of music, and guys doing so many different things. And that's what I think that now, when when the newer artists hear guys like like us talk about it, they think that we're hating and we're not. We're just saying, just be you know, just diversify the music a little bit. That's it. Yeah, it was probably the pinnacle, right? I mean, it's kind of where, on all fronts, like pop, rock, things were all kind of happening at the same time, and certainly yeah. in hip hop, uh, it was the golden era. Of course, we're just old now, and that's how we look at things. <laughs> uh, 95, Poverty's Paradise. Now, the first Grammy Award for Best Rap Album, uh, 25th anniversary of that album now. Uh, thinking back on it now, did you guys know how special it was when you were making it? Um, I mean, you always think your work is good while you're doing it, otherwise you wouldn't put it out. But did you know, like, this is the thing that's going to knock everybody off, and, and 25 years from now they're still going to be talking about it? And... No, but I knew that, you know, me personally, or I think all of us, we knew just working on the whole, the whole project that it was our third album, and we were here to stay at that point. You know, a lot of people, you know, especially when you come out with your first album, and if it you know, be successful the way OPP did and set off Naughty by Nature. People are always they looking at it never like, do it you know, again. Yeah. they all called it the sophomore jinx. Sophomore, right. And then we were able to come back with Hip Hop Array and it'd be another monster like that. So then it kind of solidified it. So we knew going after that, we're here to stay. And now we got to really put our foot down and, and make a, you know, make a mark with this project. And on top of that, um, the title Poverty's Paradise in itself, you know, the, the meaning of it was turning your poverty into your paradise. So from us, a lot of people in this room, they've been here since the new style days. So for us coming up from the new style to Naughty by Nature, having a lot of these people support us, you know, we were hands on with the community and vice versa. So when we really blew up and it was our third album, it's like, well, we'll turn our poverty into our paradise. We'll be more community active, uh, more active in the community. We put up our uh, retail store down here in Newark, and we were just entrenched in the community. So I think we kind of set that tone for a lot of other artists to, you know, roll up your sleeves, do what Nipsey Hussle was doing out there, you know? And a lot of people say, nah, you shouldn't stay in the hood because they're going to kill you and they're going to do this. But if you don't stay in the hood and if you don't, you know, connect with your community, then what do you have? Like, you can go to Beverly Hills and get killed. You can go anywhere and get killed. But I learned that if you show the love that the people at home show you, you could walk around here, man, 30 years. No bodyguards, no nothing. The people got your back. Tretch, when you were writing, uh, were you writing mostly from your own experience uh, and then at some point, were you thinking about what the audience or like the other kids in the street, or was it always in those days? Was it your you know, like your background, where you were from? And no, nah, no, nah, my my story was all of our stories and 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 everything that I seen every day from Newark and East Orange. My radius was Newark, East Orange, Irvington, Orange, anywhere I could walk. You see, it's like it was so. You, you see, no, nah, for real, all the fam, Montclair, like where the family was local, so. The struggle is is what everybody was going through. We all was rolling together every day. When we hustled, 
and was doing stuff we ain't had no business, we we did it together. So everything our mentality, I would hear something that and what somebody else is just crying out and I'll just put it into a song. But like I always say, like the music is what writes it for me. Like I, I put certain segments down, but certain times you hear a track and you could just write a whole like album over one. Based on what the emotion is yeah, coming out of. Yeah, what the emotions come. So you split that off in songs. It was just it was so easy because it was from the heart. And for ten years after we was platinum, I still lived on 18th Street, 44 North 18th Street. It's like, why are you still in the hood? I'm saying I, I feel safe as here. <laughs> it's like you're in the stolen car capital. You got two benzes in the back, ain't nobody touching them. Trust. Right. The, the the tribe has you. And I, they they see us, so they like I could do something too. They famous and I don't just see them on TV. I know them. So it's, it's inspirational and you hands on in the hood, you feel me? Now, what are you, your thoughts about, you, you went through different labels, you know, the big corporate thing. Now I know you guys do a lot of stuff on your own. You have your very enterprising businesses and, and it's been easier now for artists to be independent. Back then, you know, you couldn't do that. You had to get distribution through a big label. What's kind of your experience with having done both of those? Which do you prefer? Um, do you like the you know the machine, or do you like kind of being the captain of your own shit? It's, it's like um, you, you could do both because sometimes when you're in a label, I mean, it's all a team effort. So you have to run through the A and R department. You have to run through the marketing people because hey, if people don't like your music, I mean, how do you expect them to work it passionately? You know what I'm saying? And I mean. I learned this even when we had Tommy Boy, Flavor Unit Management, and then our own in-house team. You had three layers of support to get your music out there. Then when you start stripping away those layers, you realize, hey, I'm carrying the total burden. So everything is on me, and you realize, like, wow, when I'm sleeping at night, there's a publicist pitching me for something. There's someone pitching my song at radio, and they're working out politics that you never re really see. And then when you're carrying the full burden, you go somewhere and say, hey, it's me, straight up. And they tell you, no, it, it gets kind of personal. <laughs> you know, so it's a gift and a curse. But right about now, I mean, we're blessed to have 29 years in the game. Uh, we have familiar music. And one thing about this business is it's all based on relationships. You know, how you treat people is how they will look out after you years down the line. So what we realize, no matter where we go in the world, Man, people, we're so blessed. People open up all kinds of doors for us just based on their interactions with us in the early 90s when we were red hot. So those relationships are very important. And if you're going to be independent, you definitely have to have good relationships. I'm sure we have some young people here who have dreams of doing what you guys have done. What would you say to you know, young guys coming up, young women uh, that want to do this? What would be your kind of advice to them that they should follow or think about? Basically know that it, it's a job. A lot of people come in and just think they overnight they're going to be rich. I got one hot song to be. I'm waiting for that one ding, and I'm going to be there. It's like, no, it's a constant grind. You sign a contract over to everything you marry to the music. Your family, everything is, you missing birthdays, graduations, you missing a lot of stuff. You got to have a, a strong household. 
A strong person that's taking care and knowing daddy got to go out and get these bags. Literally. I'm just not having fun. It takes you away. Or mommy. It takes you away from your family and everything. It's, it's a job. You might get a call. You got to leave tomorrow. Oh, I got to supposed to go to my daughter's sweet 16 tomorrow. Is it the bag or is homeless? And I think everybody um, ain't living just super rich. You got to work. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think and a lot of people here, you guys have seen us, again, since the new style, you've seen our dedication to each other, our ups and downs. You have to be, you know, consistent, ten toes down. My guy Javi in the back, I talk to him all the time about, you know, some people say they want something, and this is in any business, but the key to success is discipline. If you're disciplined enough and you get up every day and you're dedicated every day and you teach and you commit, you know, you, 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 uh, you know, just commit to people and you commit to having a good attitude. Some people walk around and they blame everyone and their grandmother of why they're not successful or why they're not where they feel they should be or they blame someone for not helping them. It's all on you, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of people talk a good game, but it's a whole nother game to execute and stay the course and be disciplined. What do you think the legacy of, of Naughty by Nature is? Um, you know, what kind of, obviously you, I don't know if you, you probably do know some, but you may not appreciate how much influence you've had on other people. I, I saw an interview recently with Eminem and he was just on and on about, about Tretch and how, you know, his early records, all he was doing was just trying to copy and, and be like Tretch and, and how in that, you know, in the 90s, everybody was trying to be like Tretch. And, and so you've had an influence. Do you know that? Do you kind of still feel that? Or is it just hard? Do you have to like kind of step back from that and say, oh, that's not, that's not real? I mean, we, we so humble. We appreciate all of it. You know what I mean? But we never came in. They never heard us ever say like, we are hip hop. It's nothing in hip hop but us. Anything else? Like we give props to Run DMC and LL Cool J and everybody that that we came Sugar Hill Gang that we came up on. So to hear it is just is is like the humbleness of hip hop. I say, it, what I call it, the humbleness of hip hop. Now everybody is ah 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 me me me. <laughs> I'm I'm everything. Nothing is around me. But we still like we love and we give respect and everything else. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying. I spoke to him and then I said, yo, we're going to end up making this record, but yeah, yeah, I see you guys, you, you still real quick with it, anything else. You, you ain't going to embarrass me on no record. You know I still got it. You know I still yeah. got it. And it's, it's definitely it's, great. Yeah, it's definitely great to get the accolades and the love from the people because we, we fought hard for this, man. And we, we, we went hard from day one. And like Vin said, it, it takes a lot of hard, hard work, dedication, and commitment to doing this, man, and, you know, for the people to show us love, you know, from day one and even 30 years later, man, it's, it's nothing better than that for people to appreciate what you fought hard for. And what keeps us humble is we still get a lot of no's. <laughs> you know, we go for a lot of opportunities, a lot of things we try to accomplish, and they tell us no, like, I don't care who you are, you're not that important to us. So. We tend to keep the blinders on and put this work in, and whatever comes from it comes from it. But we've always been self-conscious in the fact that, oh, man, nobody's checking for you. Oh, you're scrap. You know what I'm saying? And then we go on tour with new kids on the block for 52 dates last summer. And then yes, say, sir. Shut yes, that sir. Yeah. We didn't need to go to the used guys event anyway. 
And played here. Actually. And we played Blackhead. here. Blackhead. Yeah. Big shout to Donnie Wahlberg. You know, that was one of the biggest tours we've done in, like, years, you know. Um, this is another thing. Like, we put the blinders on. We never intentionally made crossover pop songs. But here we go, 30 years later, we get on a massive tour like that. And I get a lot of uh, so-called street rappers calling, like, Vin. How can I get on that tour, man? I'm like, it's a whole different music genre, buddy. <laughs> Do you have a Fill Me Flow in your catalog or an OPP? I think not. You better try uh, that 300-seat venue, pal. Hard work, dedication. Everybody could do it. Any, any trade. We had a, a homie called Do Work that went out on the road with us. And he just made connections from being like a roadie. Like I started, me and Tupac, carrying bags for Latifah and Queen uh, in Digital un Underground. He went out there and made connects. He, they came back years later. They see, yo, how you got that big old house down south? <laughs> made connects and stayed out there in, the, in his lane. Well, he, he worked and grind like that. Everybody ain't a superstar in front of the camera. There's a lot of superstars that make superstars that's behind the cameras, and they getting paid, too. You feel me? So I'll take a, a job behind the camera if it's going to keep the lights on any day. <laughs> well, well, with that, let's open it up to some questions. So I do know Mark brought it up, and I know I'm, I'm a huge fan of Eminem. I also realized that Eminem was a huge fan of Tretch and Naughty by Nature. I saw it on Crook's Corner on Instagram, and I was watching the video for a while. And I do want to know that, or an idea that, um, are you guys going to like maybe have a collaboration with Eminem or something along those lines? Yeah, I just said, I, I speak to Eminem on a, on, a, on a regular basis, and we definitely got something in the works. We ain't going to even say what's coming up, but it's a long overdue, but definitely that's family, and we've been joking about it a while, so we'll, we, we'll see what happens. I definitely awesome. would love to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the works. That's great. I think something would be awesome. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. I think with him on his last album, he's been saying, Tretch, call me again and, and have that conversation. I shouted it out three more times. Come on. Come on, Tretch. So I got it, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. No doubt. Another question. What up? What up, legends? My name is Freddie. Hello. Um, Hello. I have a podcast called The Focal Spot. My mom's is from East Orange. She used to stay off of North Walnut and Williams. So Up the hill? Yeah. So my question for y'all is, originally I'm from New York, um, so we already know how New York influenced hip-hop. I want to know from the legend's mouth, how has New Jersey influenced hip-hop? Oh, man. You, you got to see, it's been a, a long list of from Sugar Hill Gang, you know what I mean? Queen Latifah, from, from those that walked through any of all times, from Bismarck to Roxanne Shante, you know what I mean? Uh, Poor Righteous Teachers, King's Son, the whole play, like Jersey has been been doing it for a very, very long time. And it's just one thing I tell Jersey, like if you look at the size of Jersey and you look at New York, the boroughs, how many times it fits in Jersey, we could go platinum alone if we just supported our own artists. But we go and support everybody else in like Jersey. So you wonder why we ain't even got a team, but the devils <laughs> in Jersey start supporting each other because we got the numbers, supports, supporters and numbers. Look at state from bottom to top. We used to be beefing with Camden and Trenton. Why? Because North Jersey and South Jersey. Stupid. We Jersey. Look at the numbers together, and we come and support all our stuffs, and we all 
we re we reap from that, that part. I think one of the good parts too of that is that with us being from Northern Jersey, we get everything basically New York. We listen to New York radio stations. Oh, we was we fresh get the same first. channels we had the and everything. Gear, so anything that tapes. was playing on the radio Ooh. in New York was playing on our radio. Yeah. So we were right there, right along with any of the New Yorkers, listening to any and everything in the midst of everything, just like they are, like they were. You know, well, South Jersey a little bit different because South Jersey listens is um, listening to Philly, Philly radio, yeah. so that's a little bit different. But us up here, we were straight right there, neck and neck with New York. So maybe you can settle the great debate: Is there a Central Jersey? <laughs> I no idea. <laughs> Which exit? That's the next one. <laughs> South Jersey. What exit? <laughs> See, yeah, guys from the north, they're like, no, no, there's a cutoff line. Um, my question is: I got a two-part question. First question is um, the Louisville Slugger. How did you guys come up with that concept to, uh, to create the uh, iconic uh, symbol? And the second part is, Tretch, you're one of the top three, one of my top three vocalists, um, lyricists of all time. I, I only put two people above you, but in the 90s, you was number one. But but their catalog is a little bit longer. I just want to hear your top three uh, lyricists. Well, real quick with the logo. Yeah, the logo. What happened when we first decided, well, after we decided on the name of Naughty by Nature, we were messing around with different characters and we had this one little character that we, um, we had and the character was breaking a glass and he had a bat. So when the guy, what's his name, Mark Weinstein? Mark Weinberg. Weinberg. Didn't Miss Owens do that? Nah, Weinberg. Well, no, the first one. That, that the original. Yeah, Miss Owens did the Owens. boy with the Queen bat. Queen Latifah Mothers yeah. drew the first logo for us with the bat. Yeah, so he had the bat. And then when uh, Mark Weinberg, Tommy Boy, reached out and had a guy do the, um, the Naughty by Nature logo, it came back without the bat. And we just said, all right, now that's dope. Just add a bat at the bottom. So that's where the bat came about. And even with the logo, just so you know, like that logo was drawn with a crayon at oh, dinner. Wow. Yes. That's why it has the ridges. Right. And if you ever write with a crayon, it breaks off. That's what the ridges are. And that's what they did. They, he did it on a napkin. And he still has the original napkin, too. He drew it, wrote out Naughty by Nature with a crayon. And then we just told him to go back and add the bat. Yep. Actually, if we end up doing say. the Grammy exhibit, yeah. I can extract that napkin. We I, have it. This was going through my it's worth head. about $5,000. That really? was about We've got did, did, five years news. ago. Do not fax that, me man. my money. Do not fax me my money. We've got insurance. Don't worry. Now your top three MCs. You can't have it. You can hold it. I really got a top 30 because I'm old school, but it's like probably LL Cool J, Slick Rick, and Run From Run DMC. Like, because I'm... Nice. Yeah. That's where I learned nice. from, though. I tell, I got my stuff. I didn't invent rap. I, everybody I heard, I jacked a piece of their ass. I'm like, these fools my, is dope. My favorite MC is uh, KRS-One. Yeah. Yeah. The teacher. <laughs> what a fun night with Naughty by Nature. Those guys cracked me up, especially Tretch. I was really struck by how involved they are in their communities. They're enterprising in their passion for where they grew up and of course their love for their home team the New Jersey Devils who play their home games at the Prudential Center also known as The Rock if you'd like more information on our public programs the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center please visit us at www.grammymuseumexp.org 
and join us next time for another episode of Musically Speaking. Until then, I'm your host, Mark Conklin, encouraging you to make music and make a difference. <laughs>